let's open our Bibles and look at uh, the letter to the Romans. We've been in this series on portions of the book of Romans from for the last several weeks, and we're moving ahead and sort of jumping ahead, and we just have a couple weeks really left in the book of Romans, but uh, just some amazing portions of Scripture that we're getting to look at as we think about the gospel, really the gospel of Jesus Christ and uh, this this unashamed uh, posture with which we approach the good news of what it is that God has done for us in Jesus. And today we read from chapter 13, verses uh, 8 to 14. Let's stand together as I read this, can we? At the end, I'll say this is the word of the Lord, and you can say thanks be to God. Beginning there at verse 8. Oh, nothing to anyone. All of you with lots of debt right now are panicking. You may be seated. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, please let there be more. Oh, yeah, okay, here it comes. Except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is, time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothing, like dirty clothes, and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day. We must live decent lives for all to see. So don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. It's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, not long after uh, moving to Santa Barbara, I uh, discovered that one of my friends from college was living as well in our fair city. I had heard reports that he was here, and when I got to town, I, I tracked him down. I reached out to him to make contact. We had been teammates on the basketball team down at Point Loma, and I was hoping to invite him to church. And... Uh, Turned out he and his wife are already going to church somewhere else, which, you know, actually that's an okay thing. That's, that's actually a good thing. Um, but he had another invitation from me that, that uh, has turned out to be a pretty good thing. He, he was currently at the time, not currently, but at the time he was the sports information director at Westmont, thank you, uh, college. And he invited me to come and join him and some of the coaches and former players there at Westmont in a, a, a pickup game of basketball. And uh, I just thought that was a great idea. I hadn't played basketball while I was in seminary a whole lot, a little bit, but uh, I was 
looking for some sort of a physical outlet, a chance to meet some more people as I lived here in town, and uh, so it sounded like a great idea to me, so I, I thought to myself, well, this sounds great, I wonder what time they play, probably like Monday nights, that's when we played pickup in Kansas City when I was in seminary, that was a good time. Maybe like Wednesday afternoons, I remember that's when the faculty played at Point Loma when I was in college, that'd be a good time to play some pickup basketball. So I said, so Nate, when, when do you guys play? Oh, Tuesday mornings at 6 a.m. Okay, I'll be there. And uh, so I, I went, and not long after, actually, I had started playing with these guys, they were like, this is going so well, let's do Thursdays as well. So um, for nearly, actually, I think probably about 20 years to the week or so, I've been playing basketball most every Tuesday and Thursday morning uh, out at Westmont at, uh, at 6 o'clock. And you know, that's, that's not like next door to where I live, for where those of you know that I live. Uh, it's a little ways out there to Montecito. And so this has been a, a, an activity that I've just enjoyed and been a part of. If I uh, didn't enjoy it, I probably wouldn't have done it uh, for all these years. What I have discovered, I didn't play a whole lot over the last couple of years, just kind of wanting to be at home a little bit more uh, with my kids and supporting them as they got off to school. But I, I started up again a few weeks ago. And uh, what I've noticed is that um, 20 years ago, I was 20 years younger. That's right. You got it. Um, and in, the reverse is also true. 20 years now, from then to now, I'm 20 years older. And uh, there's only about three of us that are still playing who were playing back then. And we're doing our best to keep up. But if I come hobbling in here this fall, you'll know what's going on. Or one guy rolled the ball to me this week, and like I had to bend all the way down to pick it up. And he was like, sorry. And I said, <laughs> I said yeah, I only get about 10 of those every morning. I get 10 complete be- bendovers. And uh, some of you who are... Younger than me have no idea what I'm talking about, but just wait, it'll it'll come. I promise. Um, let's just be real. There's some things about 5:20 alarm clocks that I just can't stand, and uh, some of you are like, you know, toughen up, James. I go to work every morning at 5:30, you know, or. Uh, you know, you have no sympathy for me right now, and that's fine. I, I don't really deserve any. There, but there's something about 520 alarm clocks that I don't really like, especially if I haven't gotten to bed at a good time the night before, or for some reason I haven't slept well that night. Uh, you know, that alarm clock comes, and uh, it's not my friend. You know, when you hit snooze, you hit it like you're mad at it. Anybody with me? On that, so there's sometimes that I just have not, you know, enjoyed that. But um, again, it's something that I, I enjoy doing for the most part. And and what I found is that there's just something about getting up early, early in the morning. Some of you actually, when I talk about that, you're like, "Oh, I love this. I love." Show of hands. Are there some of you that just love the early mornings? Yeah, there's a few. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, a number, a number of you. Just, you love the early mornings. And I love getting up, you know, on these mornings when I'm able and, and get up early. And, and the house is quiet. And, and my, my, my heart is sort of quiet. And my mind is 
Well, often it's beginning to race, but it's still a little bit quiet. And the, the streets outside as I, as I drive are quiet, except for there's a running club that floods Hollister Avenue about 540 on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Maybe they're out there every morning, and uh, I have to dodge them because they don't really care about me, but I have to dodge them. That, that makes me sure that I'm wide awake every, every morning as I leave. Uh, but it's, it's quiet, and, and, it's, and it's nice, and, and I, I get my gear on, and I get my shoes on, and I, I head out to face the day, and depending on the time of the year, I'm either driving in darkness or the dawn, the first light of dawn is beginning to creep into the air, and sometimes I drive in silence that 15 minutes or so out to Westmont, or I pray. Sometimes I listen to music or sports talk. And before I know it, this is the other thing about the early mornings, before I know it, I'm, my shoes are laced up and I'm out on the court and I'm just, I'm moving and I'm, I'm, I'm active. And I know that a lot of folks at that moment, every once in a while I'll think about it, I'll look at the clock and I'll think, what would I be doing if I weren't doing this right now? I'd be sleeping is what I would be doing. And, and that's what many people are doing even still at that, at that time. But a new day has started. Tuesdays and Thursdays, a ritual, a routine, a new day has started, and I'm part of it. Friends, a a new day, by the way, just in case you were wondering, has started here this morning, and we are part of it. God is doing something beautiful even in this morning, in this day, and in this place. Um, And in the passage that we've read here this morning, Paul is picking up on this idea that... uh, that it's good to get started on, on a new day. He's picking up on this idea that it's good to get out in front of what's coming. He's picking up on this idea that, that it's, it's a great thing to, to wake up and get after what it is that is in store for you. There's the verse there, part of verse 11. You can see it there. I think I have that where it just says this, wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. You can leave that up there for a minute, Darren. For Paul, he's not just talking about waking up in the morning. He's not just talking about getting up to go to work or getting up to go running or getting up to go play basketball or getting up to work in the, in, in the yard. He's not talking about just a, a, a normal morning. He's talking in this passage about waking up to a new reality, about waking up to a new day that all followers of Jesus are invited to do in the lives that we we lead. He's talking about waking up to a new world that has broken in on the old one. Now, just this is a little bit thick, but just stay with me for a moment because it's a beautiful, beautiful idea, I think, if we can get onto it. The old world, the the present age, is still rumbling on. And we can think about this in comparison to those who might be sleeping or getting on to work as we're moving on into a a new day. The old old world is still rumbling on. People are still ordering their lives according to how this world operates. But, But God, Paul wants to tell us, has begun a new day. The, the darkness of this present world is, is actually starting to shift. Dawn 
in the grand scheme of things, is, is creeping into the, the air. The night is almost gone. The faint signs of light and sounds of life are beginning to emerge. And for those who follow Jesus, for those who follow Jesus, catch this, whose, whose life and whose death and whose resurrection are the realities that have launched this new world into being, well, these folks are invited, actually, to live according to the ways of this new reality. So I don't know if I'm explaining that real well, but just think of it this way. The, the, the world is operating as it always has, but Jesus came into it, and he lived and died and was raised again. And when he came into it, he began a new world that is now operating, coexisting in a sense. And there will be a day, and Paul speaks of it, the night is almost gone, the full day of salvation will soon be here, when his day will ultimately emerge as all there really is. But in the meantime, we're living in this time between those times. But we're invited to live even now wide awake, wide awake to the realities of what the future will hold. We're invited to live even now with the resources that will be available then that are available even now to us. We're invited to live, Paul wants to say, in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're invited to live surrounded by the presence of Jesus Christ. We're invited to live as a part of the body of believers that we get to be a part of in this world. We're invited to live into this new world, this new reality. He's basically expanding. He's basically expanding on what he said back in Romans 12 at the very beginning. If you want to flip back there, if you have your Bible, you can. I don't have it on the screen. But if you want to flip back to Romans 12, 1 and 2, he's basically expanding on what he said there. He charged his readers, he charged us to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, not copying the ways of this world, but being transformed, being, being changed by thinking in new ways, by understanding and seeing the world in new ways. God has done something brand new in Jesus. While it is still dark, still God has done something new. A new day is coming. And what we need to know as followers of Jesus is that it's our privilege to live even now in that new day, in that new reality. So what does this living look like? Well, what is it? Paul's very explicit. He's very clear on what this living in the new world is to look like. And it's not by living like folks live in the dark. He wants to make it very clear that, that we're to throw off the clothes that are the deeds of darkness. As I uh, drove the other night, the kids, to um, Magic Mountain, I've gotten a little bit smarter. And the last couple of years, you know, since I cut off the roller coasters, um, 
I just sort of hung out at the park. And, uh, I, you know, I thought maybe the first couple times I did that, I thought, like, the kids, teens would be like, oh, yeah, let's go see Pastor James. going to hang out with him for a while. <laughs> yeah, so um, Magic Mountain night, Christian family night is, like, from 6 p.m. to midnight. And it was basically like this. I would be sitting there at the table and be like, hey, guys, hey, 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 have fun, okay, hey, all right, see you guys later for like six hours. So um, this year I decided to shake things up a little bit, and uh, I, you know, I, I went in, kind of walked a few minutes with everybody through the opening place, and then they're like, all right, we'll see you later, and they took off, and I was like, Okay, I'll see you later. And I went to Starbucks for like three hours. And uh, what was interesting to me, I've never hung out at a Starbucks on a Friday night for three hours. Uh, but it was very interesting in, in that place to see the different folks who came in to Starbucks on a Friday night. And uh, it was clear that some of them were, shall we say, like pre-gaming is that, the, is that the phrase? I mean, they were, they were getting ready for a night of, of activity, a night of partying. Let's just, let's just get it out there. A night of, of just, well, you know, and, and I, I don't know that for sure in every situation, but a lot of times I could tell by just the way they were, they were dressed, you know? Whether it was a guy or a gal, you could tell this person is getting ready to go out. They're on the town, and uh, there, were, there were a few that were just, you know, getting, getting a little caffeine going as they got ready for, for the evening. There were others in that Starbucks right there by the five who were like truckers, you know, coming through and uh, getting their, their uh, caffeine as well. But it was interesting to just, just observe and to kind of note the, the clothing that, that distinguished the, uh, the activities of the different people who were doing different things. Paul loves this imagery of of clothing. And, and as you see it there, as we, as we read it there in, uh, in, in, in this passage there in verse 12, remove your dark deeds like dirty clothing. And the clothing that these folks were wearing were not dirty by any means. I mean, they were clean and looking good. But, but the whole idea, that, as I thought about that, just that, that, that our clothing sometimes even... He's making the, the, I'm making a spiritual to a physical connection, but, but Paul wants to speak about spiritually what's going on here. I even thought about it just in terms of sometimes when, I don't know if, if anyone's like this when you get like a fever, but I'm, I'm a mess when I get sick. And uh, like both mentally and emotionally and, and physically. And sometimes when you get a fever in the middle of the night, uh, I, I've been known to like sweat through two or three shirts in a night. What a what a mess that is. That's probably too much information, but but um, I, you don't ever have to experience that. That that's only for my wife, Kyla. She gets to share that joy with me. Thankfully, it doesn't happen real often. But but just this whole idea of of these clothes that that we wear spiritually now. Paul wants to say, when we're living into this new world, we want to take off the clothing of the deeds of darkness. We want to be rid of it. We want to, we want to leave that behind us and all that it represents, all that it brings into our, our lives, all that it, it, all that it, it 
reflects and reveals in us. We want to be rid of those deeds of darkness, like getting rid of dirty clothes. He goes on to list a number of them there. I think it's an interesting list down below. Verse 13, don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living. And it's interesting because I think that at that point, most of us look at that and we say, yeah, that's right. Get rid of that. But then he strikes us with the next two, and quarreling and jealousy. And he helps us to remind us that these deeds of darkness are not always those sins out there, but a lot of times they're those sins that are right in here as well. What he wants us to know is that when followers of Jesus are living into this new reality, are waking up to what it is that God has done and is doing in the world through Jesus, then we are to leave behind that which has been a part of us to that point. And unfortunately, more and more in the world in which we live, even good folks who love God or seeming to make more and more accommodations with the world in which we live. You know what it means to accommodate to something, right? Just to kind of come alongside it and to, to begin to allow that to, to begin a, to sort of be a part of our lives or to sort of line ourselves up with, with the things that are going on in the world and to somehow begin to justify or to rationalize and to begin to think that the activities of the world around us are, are, are just okay. They're, they're fine, actually, for us to participate in as well. And the, all the statistics and surveys and things that different people have done in recent years are sadly reflecting and revealing to us, friends, that when it comes right down to it, a lot of the, a lot of the behaviors, just the practical daily activities of believers and non-believers, those who follow Jesus and those who don't, are, are not as strikingly different as we might hope for. And whether that's because we've made a conscious decision that, yeah, it's okay, I mean, I know I love God, He loves me, and so it really doesn't matter kind of what I do with my life, and it doesn't really matter what I kind of dabble with because I know that, you know, I know that He knows and we know and we're all good and it's, it's okay. And, and I'm consciously making a move towards some of those behaviors and practices in my life. Or, or if it's just a very kind of subtle, uh, don't even really recognize what's going on, but I'm getting just drawn closer and closer towards the ways of the world, and they're beginning to seep kind of this osmosis sort of thing into my life and me into the world in such a way that it's maybe not intentional, and I'm not thinking that I want to do this, but but if I were to step back and look at my life, I'd have to say I, there's not a whole lot of difference between me and someone who doesn't follow Jesus in the way that I think, in the way that I act, in the way that I speak with the people around me. It's, it's sexual immorality, absolutely. It's, a, it's an issue that was key for Paul 
in the first century, and it's an issue that's key for every believer in the 21st century. We can't escape the temptation, the possibilities. It's around us at every level. And friends, I don't talk a lot about sexual immorality, right? But here it is in, in the scripture. And so for us to, to, to uh, just sort of wink at the sexuality of our culture and think that it's not a big deal, friends, we just need to know that we're in, walking in, on very dangerous ground. This is something that, that, that early on believers were known for their sexual morality, for their commitment to, to Christ and to their spouse. But less and less so, it seems like this is a defining characteristic of followers of Jesus. We need to build walls of protection around us. We need to be people who are diligent in this area of our lives. Um, and, and this goes for every you know, teenager in this room, and it goes for every senior adult in this room. Regardless of where we find ourselves, I just, just need you to, to hear my heart here this morning on this issue, that, that we can't afford just to kind of, again, wink at it or wave, wave at it and pay lip service to it. We need just to stop and not... not elevated above some other sin necessarily, but to say it's, it's a reality and we need to deal with it. And we need the grace of Jesus to come and to help us with it. We need the resources of the new age to help us as we live within this world. In the time between the times, we need the, the, the guidance and the protection of the Holy Spirit to protect our minds and our bodies as we offer them to Christ. But while I, wanted, while I wanted intentionally to dwell on that for a moment, I, just, I don't want to not dwell on quarreling and jealousy. <laughs> because it's easy for the pastor, you might say, to stand up there and speak against sexual immorality. But the reality is, is that we're some quarrelsome folks. And down deep in our hearts, if we were really to look carefully, we're some jealous folks. And we're quick to defend ourselves and stand our ground and fight till we, uh, you know, are blue in the face. We're quick to point out our way and to get our way. Trust me on this, because I'm pretty good at it myself. Um, we're quick to, to, um, to look and to want what others have and to try to uh, align ourselves to that, going farther and farther in debt often as a result. We're quick to, to judge ourselves based on what other people have or what other people are doing. We're, we're quick to move into these other areas as well that may seem not so deadly or significant. But you know what Paul says? Take off that old clothing. And so I need you to hear your pastor say this morning as well that, that, that when you get into a fight, you need to not check your faith like at the door. And, and just like take it off like a jacket and say, well, I'll get back to you after I win this fight. You need to wear that into this disagreement and say, now, how as a believer in Jesus, how as a follower of Christ am I going to interact in this, in this conversation in such a way that I would be a reflection of his love and of his grace and goodness and, and, and someone who would be a witness even to his presence? 
that might cause us to, to uh, say a few less words. <laughs> it might cause us to have a different mindset, a different approach, a different attitude as we enter into conversations on a very daily basis. And I'm not just talking about the stranger. Man, this week I was driving up to uh, Lompoc to watch my daughter run a cross-country race. I told Kelsey this, uh, the Lompoc people in the room, and I don't drive the one very often. And, and the person who was right behind me as I got off the 101 and uh, just like almost ran right into m- the back of me and then honked at me and flipped me off as she went around me, she evidently does drive the one a little bit more because I was not doing things the way they're supposed to be done on that highway, evidently. Um, I'm just not, but I'm not, you, you know what that did in my spirit, right? I just blessed her in Jesus' name. I just, oh, sweet, sweet lady, just God be with you. My thoughts were a little bit different than that. <laughs> I'll stop the story at that point. But, but I'm not just talking about that kind of interaction. Because that's the one that always comes up. Well, what about on the highway when people like cut you off? You know, that's always the conversation we want to have. Or, you know, somebody like threatens you or, you know, like talks behind your back and, you know, they're going to get you fired or whatever. Those are always the conversations that we want to have. And, and absolutely, I understand the, the nature of, of, of anger, of frustration that rises up within us in those moments. And, and I do want to have a conversation about those and how we're reacting to the people that do those kinds of things to us, without a doubt. But I also want to have a conversation about how we're reacting to our child or how we're reacting to our spouse or how we're reacting to our, our friend, <laughs> you know, friend. How are we reacting to the people that we know well? How are we reacting to the people that you're sitting next to in this, in this body of Christ, this family of faith? And how we're not only reacting maybe out loud, but how we're reacting in our spirit. Paul says, take off the clothes of the deeds of darkness. And we can't, we can't awaken to this new day, friends, without taking off the dirty clothes we can't get ready for the new day. We can't put on the, 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 the armor of light, of right living, without first getting rid of it. And we can't do that on our own either. And so as we live in this new reality, friends, we need to be people who are on our knees regularly as we begin each new day, as we think about this brand new day. We need to be people who are saying, God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, come and change my heart today. Come and do a little bit more work in me as I re- respond and as I react. And come, and come and change the way I think as I see that person, that man or that woman, as I think about the relationships in my, lives, in my life and how I'm relating to them. Come and do a deeper work in me, Holy Spirit. Jesus, transform the way I see the world. Heavenly Father, let me look at it through your eyes and let my life be different a little bit more today because I'm saying Goodbye a little bit more to those things that have held on to me, that dirty clothing that just wants to grip our lives. Get rid of it, Paul says. Get rid of it. Because there's so much more in this wardrobe for you to put on. 
Paul wants to say. Clothe yourself with armor of light. That is right living. What would it be to not focus on what we've done wrong, but to begin to focus on what it is that God would want us to do right? To think not about just our wrong behaviors, but to think about the right living that God is inviting us to in this new world, this time between the times, empowered by his Holy Spirit. Put on this new armor of light that is right living. And then he goes on to say something even crazier. Not just this armor of light, which is crazy enough, but this idea of putting on the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you when you read this scripture, maybe just read it, heard it for the very first time this morning as I read it, or, or you've heard it before. I'm not sure what, it, what phrase stuck out to you if I were to have asked that question, but the phrase that stuck, stuck out to me as I read it first again this week was that very one, put, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I began to think, that is so beautiful. And then my second thought was, what does that mean? <laughs> what do, how do I do that? And what does that look like for someone and some of us, like people like us, to, to clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ? And then I thought, whatever that means... That has got to be a, the key. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what it means, but if, if I can figure out, if we can start to at least get a little bit of a grip on what it means to clothe yourself with the presence of Jesus Christ, then we're getting there, people. We're moving somewhere. We're moving in a positive direction, right? Doesn't that seem like it to you, that... that if we can get a little bit of an idea of what that means, so I begin to read about it and think about it. You guys have some ideas maybe that are coming instantly to your mind even as that imagery. It's, it's imagery and on purpose. It's picturesque language. It's supposed to get us thinking and get us dreaming and, and sort of imagining what it is that it might mean to put on and to clothe ourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. But a couple, a couple things came to mind. One was this. What if... What if what if we were begin to, to awaken in the morning and take five or ten minutes, might even not be that long, and to open up our Bibles to the Gospels? Do you know what the Gospels are? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I just, those are in the Bible. First four books in the New Testament, and I just never take it for granted that everyone knows what that is, and I don't want you to get stopped by like a late night, you know, talk show host asking you to name the four Gospels, and you're like, Peter, Paul, Mary, and Jesus, Franco, yeah. Um, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and these are the, these are the Gospel accounts, the, the, the good news stories of Jesus and his life, and, and, and I just, if you're anything like me, if you've been a Christian for a little bit, you, you kind of think like reading the Gospels is like cheating. Do you, anybody else feel like that? I'm like, oh, the Gospels. I mean, I know the stories of Jesus. I need to dig into the other more hard-to-understand stuff and kind of, you know, the Gospels are too easy. It's like they're just the stories of Jesus. I got I to gotta read like, you know, 2 Timothy. I don't know why I picked that one, but <laughs> I got I to 
I got to dive into 1 Thessalonians. I think I just like to say, say it with me, Thessalonians. Yeah, no, like the Gospels are too easy. And, and I, I'm afraid that because of that, if, maybe no one else is like me, but some of us, we just overlook the significance of these stories of really the founder of our faith, Jesus Christ. What if we were to open up our Bibles and just turn to the Gospels and read like one paragraph, one story of Jesus every morning? And as we read that story, we were to look for the qualities and the characteristics of Jesus. Like maybe we were to read one and we were to see Jesus just, just comforting someone. Maybe, maybe it's a story of, of Mary and Martha when, when uh, their brother passes away and, and, and Jesus comes to them. I think that's John 11. And uh, what if we read that story and we were just looking at it and we were, Jesus comforting and we were to think, wow. On, on the one hand, if we were to think, where do I need to be comforted by Jesus today? I, I name that, that quality, that characteristic of Jesus and think, how, how might he do that to me today? What's an area in my life where I just need the comfort of Jesus? I, I need him to come alongside me and say, it's, it's going to be all right. I, I can, I'm with you and... Maybe I didn't get here when you thought I should, but I'm here now. <laughs> this happens in that story, and I'm with you. And if we were just to begin to live in that, in that comfort, that characteristic of Jesus, I think if we did that, we would begin to God, sort of feel some of the clothing of Jesus. Then if we were to take it a next step and begin to say, what about that quality, that characteristic of Jesus that I'm identifying right now, this, this, this aspect of him as, as, as one who brings comfort, and to think, yeah, what? How might I bring comfort to someone in the world in which I live today? In other words, how might I take that quality or that characteristic of Jesus and not just apply it in terms of what I'm receiving, but think of it and lay it over me in terms of what I might be giving out into the world? Just a very simple exercise to read the stories of Jesus and to think how they affect us and then how we might take those same qualities and affect the world in which we live, to begin to clothe ourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the second idea that came to me really as I thought about how we might clothe ourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ is one that was really on my mind as I read this passage of scripture because the whole first paragraph was all about it, if you noticed. And, and and that's very simply is, as I begin to express love into the world in which I live. What would, it, what would it mean to clothe myself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ? It would mean to take the, 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 the depth and to receive the depth of his love for me that was demonstrated in the cross. And to take that very love that I have received, that I am dwelling in, and to begin to express it to my neighbor in ways that are surprising, not just to them, but even, even to me. Anybody ever do that? If you do something, you're like, wow, where did that come from? Like the Lord actually working through you. You're watching um, our basketball tryouts a couple of weeks ago. And uh, basketball, well, tryouts, you know, I talked about this a while ago, but uh, they're, they're never a real pretty sight, but um, you just have all levels of abilities, and that's fine. 
But there was like one play. And all the coaches were kind of standing there in the middle of the court. There were two courts going on. And there was one play that happened. And as it happened, all the coaches went from watching the court to looking at each other. And basically our phrase to each other was, that looked like basketball. <laughs> how, how refreshing. And, and how refreshing it is every once in a while when something, when like something comes out of us and it's like, that looks like Jesus. <laughs> and I'll tell you, it happens when we're loving others. It happens when we're loving our neighbor. Paul said it powerfully. In the beginning of this chapter, we skipped over it, um, but in the beginning of this chapter, verses 1 to 7, Paul's been talking about submitting to uh, earthly authorities and the kind of life that we are to, to, to lead in such a way that we might be a witness to the world around us, regardless of who they are. We are to be, we're to be great citizens, by the way, and uh, we're to be people who are, are reflecting the light of Christ uh, in, in the civic realm as well as the spiritual realm. And you'll be happy or sad to know that he even encourages us there in verses 6 and 7, I think it is, to pay our taxes, just to, you know, government workers, God bless you. I know we probably have some here in the room this morning. Thank you, teachers and everybody else. And we need to pay our taxes because so, they, they deserve an income, and, and we need to do that. And we need to give honor and even respect, he says there in verse 7. And then he starts verse 8 with that phrase that got us all, caught us all off guard again this morning. How did he say it in this translation? I want to, don't butcher it. Owe nothing to anyone. <laughs> Let no debt remain, I believe, or other translations, except the obligation to love others. I love this, uh, this statement that Origen, an early church father, he said, the debt of charity is permanent. We're never quit of it, for we must pay it daily and yet always owe it. I don't think this is a passage that can speak to us about the debt that we have I don't want to make you feel worse than you already do, <laughs> although I will just on a side note say that unfortunately, the debt that so many of us carry financially is often keeping us from fulfilling the debt to love others the way we're called to. Does that make sense? I, I don't want to get too uh, you know personal here, but if we're so focused on work, 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 because we have to pay, 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 you know, off, off to work we go, whatever that is. Uh, say it for me. hi oh, hi oh, off to work we go, yeah, uh, because we owe, something like that. All right, uh, if we're so focused on that or if we're so focused on the things that we're consuming because of the debt that we've taken in order to get them, that our ability to extend love to others is impacted, then, then we do need to make this about money as well. This debt to love, 
And the beautiful thing that Paul says about it is we clothe ourselves with Jesus by loving others is that it fulfills every command. It's like Paul wants to tell us right here that not only are you clothing yourself in Jesus, but as you are, you are fulfilling all that God wants for you. As you live into this new age, let's just boil it down. He takes four of the ten, at least four of the ten commandments there, and he says, this, this is what it means. Love as Jesus has loved. Love your neighbor. Fill the world with as much love as we possibly can. The whole passage has this sense of urgency. I hope you noted it. And it's not, I don't think Paul is trying to say that the hour has come like it's, it's almost done, you know, so, so get, you know, get ready and you better get yourself right. You know, heard this maybe for the first time this morning thinking, Paul's saying, you better, you better get things straight. You better start loving people or else. I think what Paul's really saying is we, we don't know how much time we have. What we knew, know is that the new day has begun, and the new day in its fullness could come at any time. And that's not a threat, but that's an opportunity. We only have so much time as the people of God to fill this world with as much of the love of Jesus as we possibly can, so that a watching world might see it and awaken to this new day as well. I want to invite our worship team to come on up here, if you will. Let's stand together, can we? I'm just mindful today that there are many of us that, uh, that are even now, in ways that we're very aware of, in ways that are just not aware of, <laughs> subconsciously, that, that we are aligned to the ways of the world, that the, the, the clothes of the deeds of darkness are, are on us in ways that we, that we know and in ways maybe that we're not even aware of. This morning, I just... I want us to take just a couple of moments as we sing this song. I want each of us just to, to ask the Holy Spirit, to allow the Holy Spirit just to shine a light of, of grace over our hearts and our lives. And just to, just to, just to ask him in this morning, just, just to be honest with the Holy Spirit and say, where are the places? Maybe it's, maybe it's the, you know, the, the big ones, the big sins that, that we're engaging in that just... We know we're not helpful for us, but maybe it's even the things that, that nobody really ever sees or just the people in my house see or the things that we know are, are not the, the behaviors and the practices of this new world. Ask the Holy Spirit just to shine a light of grace. But as you do that, may we also in the same breath, the same prayer, invite Jesus in new ways to begin to clothe us, to begin to cover us with who he is and what it is that he wants us to do. Jesus, Jesus Messiah, let's sing to him, let's worship him, let's look at our lives, allow the Holy Spirit to move in our hearts, and let's respond to him even now. Take off the dirty clothes, the deeds of darkness, Clothe yourself with the armor of light. Clothe yourself 
the presence of the Lord Jesus who's with us even now. Let's sing and respond to him.